Grace. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you don't be unto you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Elder Thomas. If you don't mind, I would love to just see everyone's beautiful face. <laughs> On this Wednesday hump day, catch you. Oh, 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 there we go. There we go. There we go. Hollywood Squares. Just want to see somebody's face. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I see you. I see you. Hey, my sister. I see you. I see you. All right. All right. I see the bun. I see the bun. All right. <laughs> Woo, glory. All right. All right. I don't see Rodney, but that's all right. All right. Hey, Elder. Hey, Emma. How you doing? Uh, okay. I see, I, see, I see a bunch of people. I love it. I love it. I love it. See your glorious smiling faces. Hallelujah. Okay. So blessed be God, our Savior. Blessed be God, our strength that teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the day the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in his creation. Thank you, Lord. A quick prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the prayers that went up this evening, oh God. The embers that went up, the fire that went up, Lord God, that was a sweet-smelling Savior unto you, Father God. We thank you for you receiving our prayers and you receiving the aroma of worship and praise. And God, even now, Lord God, we thank you for blessing us, God, with your word and blessing us with the abundance thereof to not just receive it, but to apply it and make it applicable in every area of our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for our leader, overseer Christopher Cox, and um, his wife, Pastor Claudine Cox, bless us all in, in Jesus' name, family law in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we are looking at today, um, with this being the year of planning and execution, we are looking at today uh, planning um, like we did on Sunday, and we are looking at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Um, so if if we if we were going to give this a title, it, it will be um planning from within. Planning from within. And the subtopic would be um uh, planning as planning like God. Planning from within, planning like God. So I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. And while you turn there, I'm just going to give you a, a quick um um reflection on uh, this scripture. When you look at Proverbs 16, verse 9, uh, is, and we know Proverbs is the book of wisdom, it says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, a man's heart, here, here begins to read God's holy word, a man's heart plans his way. And, and again, please take notes if you can. A man's, to share later on a review, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And there is a parallel scripture uh, in Proverbs 19.21. I just want to take you there for a minute and just read it to you. We're not going to stay there. Proverbs 19.21, which is the parallel scripture to Proverbs 16.9 says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Read again. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. And, and that is the, I'm looking at the New King James Version, that is the uh, version, that, that is the parallel passage 
to what we read in Proverbs 16.9. So I'm going to go back to Proverbs 16.9 and read it one more time for you. New King James Version. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I'm going to now shift and read it in the NIV version, because I believe the NIV version will work for our intents tonight. In the NIV version, Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Read it one more time. In their hearts, human, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Hallelujah. So I'm going to stick with the NIV just, just to make it uh, more, bring more clarity to what we're talking about here. And again, we're talking about the, the idea, the, the necessity, the ingenuity of planning. We all understand that it is very, very important for us to plan. When we plan, we put things in place. When we plan, we think things through. When we plan, we avoid mishaps. We avoid missing things, leaving things out. We avoid doing double work sometimes when we plan because planning is part and parcel, part of our lives. It is what we do, is how we survive. It is how we move and, and operate in this lifetime. And when we And when we understand that we are made in the image of God. We understand that it is really part of our makeup because we are just like God. We are made in his image. We are gods with the little g, as it says in the book of Psalms, that we are to emulate and be just like our father God. And what God did, even took it a step further by allowing his son Jesus to be him in the flesh, to come down and model for us, be an exemplar for us of what it is to be like the Father God, but in the flesh. There's really no reason why we should not be like God. There's really no reason why we cannot emulate God or know what to do when we have to pray, when we have to worship, when there's a problem that's confronting us, when we are being um, a, a betrayed, abandoned, or denied. Jesus has left us examples of how to be like God in the midst of controversy, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of the attack from the enemy, in the midst of being lied upon, in the midst of, of being your name being smeared, in the, in the midst of things not working your way, conflict and confusion in the home and in the family. God has given us an example in Jesus, learning, teaching us how to be like him in the flesh. So when we look at uh, for, when we look at Proverbs 16, 9, it gives us a clear word of wisdom on planning. And it says here, in their hearts, humans, plan their course. So I'm going to I'm going to take some time and just and just talk about the heart for a minute. So when it talks about the heart here, the word lab in the original language, figuratively it's talking about the feelings, the the will, the intellect of the person. And their feelings and their will and their intellect, they're planning. And you know we do we do planning every day. We plan in our thoughts, we plan in our ideas. We want to go somewhere. We think about how we can get it done. So sometimes we're really even planning on the fly. When, but when you look at that word hearts in the original language, there are two 
dimensions that they talk from. I'm going to talk from both of them before I go down any further. Further, The first dimension it talks about when it talks about heart, it talks about the inner man, the man in the midst, the soul, the heart of the man. And we know when we talk about soul, we, the soul is comprised of three entities, mind, will, and emotions. So when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the soul. We're talking about the mind, the knowledge, the, the thinking, the, the reflection that we have when we reflect with our minds, when we meditate with our minds. We're talking about our memories. We're talking about our inclinations, our resolutions, our determination that comes, it comes from our will. Again, soul, mind, will, and emotions. We're talking about our conscience. And even that part that we call the subconscious, we're talking about the seat of our appetite, our, our emotions, and our passions. We're talking about the heart. So when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about not just this thing that's beating inside of our chest, but we're talking about, which is the physical heart, we're talking about the heart that's here, the heart of the matter. Because this is where really our feelings come from. It does not come from here. No matter how much we get lovey-dovey and we watch all these movies and shows, no matter how much we know Valentine's Day is coming, they put the picture of the red heart, the feelings that you have for your spouse, for your children, for your family are here, not in the flesh. Because the heart here has a function and that's to keep you alive. But the heart here, also has a function. And the heart here is not operating in and of itself. Just like the heart here has four chambers, blood coming in, blood coming out, systolic, diastolic. You get your blood pressure, blood that's being pumped to the brain, blood that's being pumped to the other extremities of the body. When you eat your food and your food is digested, there's blood that rushes to the the digestive area to help with the digestion process. So, so just like this heart here is not operating alone, but it's a central figure in terms of getting our body moved. The heart here in your mind does not operate alone. It's connected and joined with your will and your emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. Kind of like a triangle. Mind, will, and emotions. The interesting thing about the soul, the suke, mind, will, and emotions, is that at all times the mind should be leading. If at any time, and sometimes it does happen because we are human, we are in a, we're in a position or a predicament where we're so fired up in our emotions that we don't think right and we put our emotions in front of our mind. So now it's emotions. My will and mind, the mind is, has gone from the front, mind, will, emotions, to now a backseat. So now it's emotions, will, and mind. When that happens, most of the time, most of the time, we're getting in trouble. Spoke to some students today. <laughs> Spoke to some staff people uh, last week. And I tell them all, it's great to have that feeling. But when that feeling causes you to do something that you should not do. You just put your emotions in front of your mind. You got the emotion, the will followed it, and you said or did something you shouldn't have done. When I talk to the staff, okay, you put your emotions in the front and you said something or you did something that you should not have done because right after you have the emotion, the feeling, the will come right behind it and the mind is in the background. It says, oh, I shouldn't have done that. When does that happen? After the emotions die down. So after the emotions die down, 
is when the mind says, oh, yeah, you forgot about me. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you were in an emotional place where you were so giddy and happy. Or you were in an emotional place where you thought you were so in love. You were in an emotional place where you were just so angry and so felt so disrespected. But again, Jesus has modeled for us how to operate and be like God. Planning. We're talking about planning. We're talking about planning. So when we talk about the mind, the will, the emotions, knowledge, thinking, reflection, the inclination, the determination, the will, the consciousness, the seat of our appetites, the seat of our emotions and our passions, we have to always make certain that our mind is leading the way. The Bible has several scriptures about the mind, and we spoke about them before. Uh, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Uh, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because the Bible understands, God understands, the Lord understands that if we do not, if we do not get our minds or our hearts, like it says here, in their hearts, humans plan their course. If we do not get our minds in a, in a place to always be in the lead, to have the mind of Christ, to think like Jesus, to think, to stop and reflect, to stop and ponder, to stop and think it through. Even if you got to count to 10, even if you got to hold your breath for three seconds, we have to stop ourselves and think it through. Because in doing so and stopping ourselves we, and thinking it through, we guarantee us, we guarantee giving ourselves an opportunity to plan it right. Remember I said we sometimes we plan on the fly? This mind is so powerful. Let me tell you how powerful this mind is that you have. Your mind is so powerful, and you can attest to this, or you can attest and just give me an emoji, hand up, thumb up. Your mind is so powerful that if you think about something that got you happy, that you started laughing, that happened in the past, you start thinking about that thing right now. If you don't laugh like you did last time, at the very least, you're going to have a smile on your face. Your mind is so powerful, it can bring that entire imagery of the, how funny that thing was right back to you. You got a big smile on your face. Or the contrary is true. You could think about something that got you really, really sad. You felt bad about it. And you could almost bring back a tear. Or you can think about something that makes you really, really upset. Oh, how dare them? I'm forgiving them. But when you think about it, you can feel yourself boiling again as if they just, just did it again. Do you know that in the industry, in the movie industry, actors and actresses, that's how they get themselves to cry on a dime? That's how they co-switch code switch so quickly because the mind, they learned how to manipulate their mind to bring them to a place to draw up an emotion that they've had before for this scene. That's how powerful our minds are. So with the powerful mind that you have, the powerful mind that we have, is with this mind that the Bible says that we as humans plan our course. So when I take the time, and, and, and let me, wait, before I go there, let me say this also. I said there was two dimensions that they talk about when they talk about the heart. 
The other, the first area, like I said, is the mind, will, and emotions. We talked about the mind, knowledge, thinking, the inclination, the resolve, the determinations, the consciousness, the seat of appetite, emotions, and passion. The other side, the other mention, they, the mention they talk about when they talk about in their hearts, they actually talk about the seat of courage. Can someone say that me? Say that with me. The seat of courage. The seat of courage. The seat of courage. Seat of courage. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. You guys took yourself off mute. That's great. Thank you. So with the seat of courage, that means God has given us the capacity to draw up and push out courage to do whatever we need to do from here. From here. So if God says in his word that this is the seat of courage, then why are we afraid? Why are we frightened? Why are we intimidated? Why are we slow to react or respond if we've been neglected, abused, abandoned? Now, the better question is, because being angry, being fearful, being afraid, those are human emotions that will come. The better question is, why are we staying in a place of fear, abuse, abandonment, neglect? Remember uh, Pastor Claudine talked about the other time when she said, when you know you have when, when you have fear, you either um is a freeze, flight, or fight. Why are we staying in that place of freezing, fighting, or flight, taking off? When we have the seat of courage here that allows us to circumvent all that and still plan and execute what we need to do. Remember, the Bible, Bible says clearly, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And that word sound mind in the original language actually means self-discipline. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-discipline. So because this is the seat of courage and God has given us self-discipline along with power and love, the question now that we have to ask ourselves is why are we not utilizing or activating or stepping out in those things that God has given us? You know, the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, Shoes shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. I heard it being prayed by Deacon Kelly. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. There's nothing worse than having the armor and not using it. Now, we got it. Yeah, David, he didn't want the armor because it wasn't built for him. But God said that he has given us the armor of God. And there's nothing like having the armor but not using it. God has given you the armor to use because the armor is going to supply you with and undergird you with the courage. Remember, the seat of courage is here to go forth and do what you have to do. You need to do. You, you, you say, I'm going to say it very quickly. You know, the armor of God is not just physical stuff. It's really spiritual stuff that can transmit through physical to get the job done. 
And like everyone always tells us, remember, the armor covers the front. It doesn't cover the back because God don't expect you to run. If you turn around and run, your back is exposed. You get killed. But God didn't give you armor for the back. He gave you armor in the front because God expect you to go forward with the seat of courage. Hmm. So understanding now that the heart talks about, yes, the mind, will, and emotions, the consciousness, the seat of appetite, emotion, and passions, but also it talks about courage. It is with this understanding of what the heart is, what the mind is, but the suke, the soul is that we are supposed to plan. But because, and plan our course, but because we are human, God understands that we are sinners saved by grace. God understands that we are born again. God understands that every day we die daily because we're fighting the flesh that has his own memory banks from things we've done prior to being saved because God understands our frailties. He said, but the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent God that is contained, the, the Yehovah, the, the Lord whose name is, is, is his signature that is so powerful that even Jews, when they, when they write his name, when they say his name, they leave out certain, like, look, I have Jewish friends. And when, and when one of them texts me, and we're talking about God, you know, they don't text G-O-D. That's too, that, the name of God is too holy for them. They text G, capital G, underscore, underline, then the letter D. Because it's just too, it's just too holy to type God, too holy. And you know, when they were writing the scripture, when every time they wrote, they had to write the word Jehovah, Lord, they would write, one letter, break the pencil, write another, break the, they wouldn't use the same pencil to write the same name of the Lord. That's how holy it is. So it says here, but the Lord, the one that's holy, the one that, that is magnificent, he shall establish our steps because God understands our frailties. God understand that this is a die daily. God understand that we may be going through challenges emotionally that's getting ready to, to block out our mental and cause our will to go in another direction. So he tells us to die daily, but at the same time, we're dying daily and trying to work through our mental capacity, our mind, the seat of courage, mind, will, and emotions. He has put in place a safeguard for us. That, yeah, in your heart as a human, yeah, you're going to, you know, human, spirit man, you're going to plan your course. But even in you planning your course like you should because you're my child, I'm going to establish your steps. I'm going to make sure that the steps that you are taking are steps that are going to get you in the right direction. I'm not only, only going to establish your steps, I'm going to direct your steps. I'm going to set up detours. I'm going to set up hills. I'm going to set up valleys. I'm going to set up banks and curves. I said the other day, and I can't remember when I said it. For us as Christians, I only got five minutes left. For, for us as Christians, it's equivalent to taking out children who are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to the bowling alley. And because we know they haven't have enough strength or practice to really grab the ball and bowl with it, 
they have what you call guards. And these children guardrails come up right before the gutter. So as the children, five, six, seven, get to go up there and roll the ball down there, push the ball down there, fall on their butt, they're guaranteed not to get a gutter ball. That ball is not going to go down the gutter. And that ball is going to, listen, the way the, the, the guardrails go, those guardrails guarantee that you're going to get at least one pin down. Because they're going to make sure that, you, that your ball stays in the lane. And because the slope of the bowling alley is kind of tilted in, it's going to pick up momentum as it go down, and it's going to hit at least one pin. And that's how God is with us. We plan, we roll that ball of life, we push it, we fall on our behinds. Sometimes we throw it down there until we're angry. Sometimes it, it, we just push it because we're so distracted and, and so stressed out. We just, oh, we just push the ball. But God directs and establishes our steps by putting up those guardrails of life. So that as our balls, our plans are rolling down, God makes sure that we're not getting a gutter ball. That we're going to hit a pin. We're going to hit a goal. We're going to hit a target. We're going to establish something. We're going to get some things done. Because in our planning from our hearts, we're frail. We're subject and prone to get a gutter ball. But God in his infinite wisdom says, I'm going to direct. I'm going to establish your steps so that your balls don't go down the gutter. That your plans don't fall in the dumpster that you're not planning with your emotions and your feelings, but I'm gonna put these guardrails of life up. So as the balls of life roll down, as your plans are rolling downhill towards the targets that you've established financially, relationally, work-related, business-related, God is making sure with these guardrails that you at least accomplish one thing that is planned is not all 10 things that are planned. Because he does not, he does not want you to fail. He does not want you to waste time. He does not want you even to just kick back and relax and say, well, you know what, God, you got this, I'm done with life. No, God wants you to plan. And he's put, things in place to assure that your steps will still accomplish some things. Don't say, I don't have any money. Don't say, I don't have time. Don't say, I won't wait let someone else do it. Don't say, oh, I'll do it later. Plan. Take out your phone and plan. Take out a pad and plan. Put something down, pin the paper, write the vision and make it plain. That when you plan and you write it out, they'll read it and they run. They can't run if they don't read. They can't read if they don't, if they don't, if you don't plan. Plan, write the vision, plan it out. The Lord will establish your steps. The Lord will direct your steps to make sure that the things that you're planning are going to get there. Don't matter how long it takes the ball to roll and get down there. 
Doesn't matter how you started out, you threw it to the gutter. God got the rails up. And he's going to make sure that your ball, your plan that's rolling through life accomplishes because he's establishing, he's directing your steps. Glory be to God. And Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your tender mercies. We thank you, God, for giving us the compassion and the passion and the desire and the appetite to plan because you're a planning God and we are made in your image. Help us to understand, dear Lord God, what the responsibility is that we have to plan, to roll that ball out, to roll that plan of life out, to get it out there, and that you will direct our steps and cover us to make sure that we hit the target, that we accomplish a goal. Give us the patience, give us the temperance, give us the desire to continue to plan, to fulfill your will for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.